Welcome to the podcast is dedicated to making you a faster cyclist, the Ask a Cycling Coach podcast presented by Trainer Road. I'm Coach Jonathan Lee here in Kona, Hawaii with our head coach, Chad Zimmerman. Hi, everybody. And with our our CEO, Nate Pearson. <laughs> you which, forgot. And well, no, but it's, it's kind of surprising that you're here. Strike one. <laughs> it's kind of surprising that you're here because you were in the ER within 24 hours ago. So. I think, it, uh, yeah, 27, 28. Just about there. Had so. some food poisoning two days ago and kind of tried to kill me but i'm back but you rallied in your hair yeah got some drugs <laughs> and we have a special guest with us emmett kelly how you doing emmett good guys we should Pleasure to be here awesome we should explain who you are probably people are probably wondering uh, you're a trainer get on here <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're a trainer road user first and foremost right yeah i'm a trainer road user uh average user from ireland and I've been using... Wait, you're from Ireland? <laughs> One, two, three. <laughs> not Kansas, believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been using Train Road for a couple of years, and I've qualified for the Ironman World Championships. Heck cool. yeah. So what, the reason we have you on here is because I think there's a lot of people who are listening who want to qualify for Kona. I always wanted to, but you always like, when you meet someone, you're just like, how'd you do it? What did you do? What are the key things that you did? And also, I think there's um, some other cyclists listening who don't think it's that big of like... I could do it, right? They kind of think it's not that hard because they haven't ever tried. They're like, if I could swim, I could totally qualify. But I w- we want to get into that kind of kind of the things you had to do to be able to qualify for Kona. So yeah. that's that's what you're going to get in this podcast. Yeah, exactly. Uh, before we go any further, just a quick mention. It's coming up pretty soon on Saturday, November 4th in San Francisco at the Rafa Cycle Club. We're doing a live podcast with uh, author Matt Fitzgerald. It's going to be a deep dive into the psychology of performance. So it's going to be awesome. You can come join us. Uh, come grab a cappuccino. They're going to have some some pastries, they said there as well, which will be always be great. Uh, join us for a group ride right after. We're all going to ride up to uh, probably do weather pending at Mount Tam Loop. So we may come down the Alpine Dam way if anybody knows that. It'll be really cool. Uh, so so that's Saturday, November 4th, and you can join us there. Keep an eye out soon on our Facebook page and everything else for an RSVP. That covers that. I've, I've paid the bills. We got it. All right. Can we dive in? Let's dive right in. Emmett, yeah. So first, how old are you? 35. 35. That's actually a tough age group. Did I, you qual- qualify at 35 or 34? 34. I've just, I've just aged up. My race was in July in Bolton, England, and I aged up in August, well, to 35. So I'm racing yeah. Kona 35. So, Both okay, of those so- are hard. So do you race in, in road cycling, you race by your, your racing age is by December 31st of that year, that's the age that you have to race the whole year, if that makes sense. Like if you turn 35 at some point in the year, you have to race as a 35 year old that whole year, even if you're 34, if for example, the first half of the year, is it that way with triathlon too? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. And, um, one thing people should know too, qualifying for world championships, it's different than road cycling in, in triathlon, it's all age group based. And in cycling, it's categories, like, you know, five up to one. So in in cycling, you have to work your way up through the categories to be able to then qualify for nationals and then go do well there. But in triathlon, it could be your first race, and you could beat someone and qualify for world champs, and then your next race could be world champion. Yeah, theoretically, it's yep. possible, right? It's and probably unlikely, but it's possible. It, it's unlikely, but it, in two in triathlon, I think the 30 to 39 are some of the fastest guys. There's some younger 20-year-olds who are like trying to go pro, but in general, it's a pretty, it's, there's not enough people where um, sometimes if you're over like 45 or even 40, you know, the age group will be really big and there'll be like five fast guys, but then the roll down slots will go to seven and there'll be like two people who are kind of 15, 20 minutes off. What do you mean by roll down slots? Can you cover yeah. that really quick? We should probably, Emmett, why don't Emmett do it? <laughs> Emmett, uh, what's a roll down? Well, how does it work? So how do you qualify in other words? You qualify every race 
generally has 40 slots. Okay. Um, they're divided between men and women, and they're weighted on the age group numbers. So if there was, if everybody had the same uh, age group numbers, same as else, there'd be two slots per age group. But sometimes there's more male competitors because there than female competitors. So there's more number slots go to male competitors, and also because some of the males at certain age groups there's more of them so they'll be allocated more slots but it sometimes means they're just tougher to get yep that makes and, sense. and it, it always different because sometimes in, in the time of year too so let's talk about yeah let's talk about qualifying strategies one way that's a good way is you just get older because if you're in like <laughs> the, so just keep on track the 85 to 89 age group and you're in it and you finish you get a slot right or is it you have to have a competitor i forget no if, if, you, if you're in it you can win it yep so Guys, <laughs> we're just going to hang out for four years. <laughs> we just can a lot it. of patience is all you need. But did yeah. you have a strategy on like picking the best race for you to qualify? Um, I've, Bolton was my fifth Ironman. So I've raced, um, I've been fortunate and very unfortunate to race three very, very warm races. And for an Irish guy who generally swims in a wetsuit at 12 degrees, um, I've been, had two 40 degree races. Um, in Vichy That's Celsius people oh yeah, yeah. 100 degrees yeah, Fahrenheit 100 degrees Fahrenheit yeah. um, so I had Vichy which with the marathon was in 40 degrees and Austria in 2012 and it was the, the warmest second warmest down record wow so it's it's warm so I qualified in Bolton which um, is very very it was raining in the morning it was windy and miserable during just the like cycle home. yeah <laughs> just, just like home just where like is that Hartman's race Bolton is England. England. Okay. Um, it's kind of the south, southeast England, yeah. the west. Did you pick it on purpose? Um, I picked it because of what it was. Uh, coming into the cycle, my my cycling was, numbers are up because of Trainer Road. Hey, and hey, good hey. programs. Nice, nice. awesome. <laughs> um, <That's cool>. <laughs> and it was. It's a tough race, and a lot of Ironmen like to sit in and get flat, fast races. Uh huh. And Bolton is one of those evil miserable and you always have to be on the course you couldn't just drop your head and you know be on a straight road and not concentrate it's, it's a pretty tricky course so that's i knew because uh, you mentioned sorry to jump in but you mentioned that's because it, it did undulate but also the turns right that's the main thing like constant turns yeah there's, there's a lot of dead turns in the course and there's a lot of like climbing but the descents and the road quality is not is not great and like everybody likes before an Ironman they come over early they drive the course and I drove the course three times and got lost <laughs> every other time because you, the road surface you go up on a good road and down onto another not so great road hmm. but again it's it's an Ironman course you know try to find good conditions for a 180 kilometer cycle it's, it's hard to find in Ireland or England hmm. or most places yeah, that makes sense. So this is a course that wasn't, an, it wasn't like an easy grab, but did, was this a course that aligns well with what you're used to or the type of training? Why did you pick that race? Um, I picked it because of a couple of things. It was a summer race. The, it, was a, it was a harder race. So if you guys will err not to try their luck on harder races, guys will go for where they know their numbers can count. They're not going to get hit by hills and like wind and evil conditions that can take away from your numbers that can take away from your representation or your getting ready for a race mm -hmm. you know so if you're you're throwing more things into a mix i've seen that too like they might even have a slower time right it could slow them down an hour and there's like an ego thing about that but you're smart as you are like maybe there won't be as many of some of the really fast guys at that race is that what you're thinking 
Um, no, because if your numbers are good enough to qualify, mm-hmm. like um, I am off my, I was 72 seconds away from qualifying <laughs> in when I went to Mallorca and in Vichy in 2014, I finished, or 2015, 2014, I finished uh, 24th overall and 12th in my age group. So my numbers were far lower than they are now. Mm-hmm. And I knew going into this that, you know, there wasn't a race that I couldn't potentially qualify because I, nice. I could, Ironman is a numbers game. Yep. And I could hold my numbers and I can run off the bike. The 12 seconds, that, that's like tire pressure, right? The correct <laughs> tire pressure, or that's, sorry, the 12, the 74, 72. 72. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a good point is you said your numbers were right. So I hear this a lot in forums. People want to know, like, what were your training numbers? Like, let's talk about um, some average swims you do, um, like a 10K run pace, and maybe your 20-minute test, your power-to-weight ratio, and how tall and heavy you are. Let's go first. How tall are you? I'm uh, 100 and... I, I knew what you were going to do. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm six foot. You're six foot. 183 centimeters. Yeah, okay. six foot. Yeah. And then uh, what's your weight? Um, uh, 70 kgs. You're actually, you're pretty light then. 154. Yeah. You are, oh, you are 154. I just looked it up. Yeah. Okay, so you're six foot tall, 154, slim build. You don't look super slim. No, I'm, I'm, I'm an ex-surfer, so like, I just not, allowed, I don't, I don't get too much time to surf anymore. So, um. <laughs> in Ireland? Yeah. Well, no, because, um, I have a small kids and everything else at okay. the time. You can't go off on a six hour bike and go, hi, honey. Oh, it's a good bike. I'm going surfing. Yeah. So let's go, let's start with the swim. Uh, what kind of like swim workouts would you do? And what kind of like, what would be, what could you hold 10 100s on? Like what kind of pace? Um, possibly 10 100s off 130, just holding on, just, just, you know, I'd get the five second rest uh-huh. and then go, go again. Yep. Yeah. And those are 100 meters. Right? Uh, oh, yours. sorry. At 100 meters. Yeah. Yep. Great. 130. And then what was your qualifying swim time? 101. 101.2. So that's that's quick, but definitely not no, I, not, not the fastest swim. I got caught in Bolton. Um, I think I was the only honest person at the <laughs> swim start when they said, how fast do you swim? I was like, oh, an hour. So I stood at the hour marker and I was in the water, possibly 150th. And I was oh, out of the water in yeah. 72nd. Wow. So to make through some everybody through some. lies when everybody they're standing lied. on it. They wanted yeah. your draft. But listen, learn. I spent the first loop. Uh, Bolton is a two-loop course. I spent the first loop going around going, looking for feet that I couldn't find. So if you could do it again, what would you have done differently? Um, I would have stood up a little bit, or like back my swim a little bit more, um, and then just had an easier swim with less, less traffic mm-hmm. and a better draft. Yep. But the bike was good. You know, I, I stayed below my numbers on the bike um, because there's some evil hills. And then because I have such a good bike and with bike strength, I banked for, I, I backed my run. So I ran a sub three on, um, on a pretty difficult course in Bolton. A sub three marathon. Yes. So that's, um, we just talked about this 645 pace, below a 645 pace for a marathon. After a 112 mile bike split. That's fast. So all you cyclists, you think that's <laughs> easy. Yeah. Go do that once around the track. Extremely fast. Yeah. Um, so your bike, power to weight ratio. What is your uh, your FTP? FTP is probably about 308. Hmm. Okay, I'll type in 308. <laughs> nice accent, Nate. Well done. Um, and then your 75? Uh, 70, but uh, probably a little bit lighter oh, for yeah, 70. race weight. I think it's about 4.4. That is, that's right. That's 4.4 watts per kilo. Very solid. So, yeah. and you do some bike racing too? Yeah. So I'd, um, have a, a, 
a league, like a local league. And then I wouldn't jump into some of the bike races, but I'm a category, um, an A4 cyclist, which is kind of the bottom rung because I'm just into road cycling. And I don't contest, I train with my cycling club. I don't necessarily race to with them too much because um, a lot of bike riders fall over in the gallop. Yeah. That's smart. I mean, Chad, you've always mentioned that, that, you know, bike racing, the type of twilight racing or like the, just the, the regular races you come across, they can be, you can use them as great training. Oh, yeah. Nate does. So, Nate yeah. did. I mean, that was kind of your ML for a long time there. Yeah. Just to ride off the front of the B race rather than race A's and just kind of hang in the field. He would race B's, which is a lower category. Get a win. And yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But he would do it basically solo. So he'd go out and get a time trial workout. Yeah. And it's yeah, a smart, it's a fun way to train. It's useful. So it was very fun and productive. Yeah, yeah it works. Um, and then, anyways, it doesn't matter. Emmett, for the um, Ironman bike, what kind of time did you do to qualify? Um, in Bolton, it was a, a 5.34. 5.34. And that was a tough course too, right? It's a tough course. So it's not really, I think some people probably listening are like, I've done a 5.34 before, but it's probably different at that course. Because yeah. at 4.4 watts per kilo, that's that's well, strong. And, and I've you're... ridden a five-hour bike, five hundred one. There you go, in Vichy. There it is. Yeah, and you're constantly the the turns that you mentioned. It's constant, like stop ninety degrees. Yeah. What do you mean stop. by dead turns? I haven't heard that term. A, a, a ninety degree turn where you oh, actually okay. you can't carry any of your speed into the turn. Gotcha. So you have to slow down to a, a stop. All right. And then go hard again. A, a, a specific question on that. How did you handle the pacing there? Did you jam out of every turn hard, or how did you get back up to speed? Did you take the the easy, work your way back up to speed slowly? Like, you only have ever so many watts that you can you can lose and you can burn. You only ever have so many biscuits you can burn. Yeah. And by jumping out of all the corners, you'll just keep on, like, you know, it's a death by 100 paper cuts <laughs> over a very, very long course. Um, the course was so complicated. Generally, if you drive a course, you'd write down, um, where, what distance there was a bad bend, what distance there was a climb, how long the climb was. After 30 kilometers on the course, I just kind of grabbed the piece of paper and just threw it behind me. <laughs> that's uh, So that's a, that's a good point. I think a lot of people probably struggle with that, um, with if they should hammer it out of the turns or, or to what degree they should try to pace through them. Consistency, just. Yeah, and then you kept it pretty consistent on the hills too, you said. Really, really consistent. Even for the hills, I, um, I changed down. I, I ride a 12... Uh, 26 and I actually swapped down from a 39 to a 38 mm. so I wasn't going to um, so I'd have more another gear if I yeah. was looking for it yeah. mm. and I wouldn't have the difference in the the, the swapping between like the multiple gear at the back and my cassette right, yeah. so okay. maintain the small gaps in the rear that way so then you don't have a big change when you shift gears but it's, still at least give yourself some more range or I should say a lower range I should say and I did so. need it yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's smart yeah. So, Emmett, out of all these things, I would say probably the bike and the run, those are your two best sports. I think a 4.4 watts, maybe run might be a little bit better. How do you view yourself more as a biker or a runner? Or swimmer. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, um, I don't view myself much as, uh, much as a swimmer, even though I, like, I can get in at about the hour mark. Mm-hmm. Um, people would look at me and bank me as been with a run split that is so good um, to finish 10th overall and third amateur home. Um, I overtook a lot of guys on the run, but I'd, um, I'm banking my bike more and more because it allows me, mm. a solid bike allows me run. If you have a really, really good bike and you just destroy the bike and you can't run, yep. you're at nothing. How do you, so how have you like found that the balancing act between a good bike, like to bike fast enough where you don't hold too much back, but you do hold enough back that you have a great run? 
Um, to be honest with you, I don't think I found it yet. Hmm. Like I haven't, I don't, I don't go out and destroy myself because um, with two small kids, I don't have the recovery time. Hmm. So with Trainer Road, with the program, just consistency over everything else. If I know I'm putting out X amount of watts on like the long bikes indoors, I know for myself, I can hold maybe 10 or so watts outdoors more because, because of the cooling factor. Hmm. And on race day, you're a little bit fresher. So if you're holding the same number, indoor, indoor numbers outside, you know you have, you're in control. Yeah, yeah that's smart. Spoken it's, like a true pitch man. I know, right? <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Keep talking. It's wonderful. <laughs> well, what would that wattage be that you were trying to hold for an Ironman? Um, I held 225 for um, Bolton, but um, I kind of, I set out to hold, you know, just if 230 was my limit mm-hmm. to be able to run, like I banked on my run. Yeah. So I said, a good bike will give me this. And I'll run hard off. And how'd you finish after the run? Were you smashed or did you feel, because you said you can't really yeah. bury yourself? No, I, I, f- I finished the run. I was I was pretty good. Cool. Um, like any Ironman, though, uh, once I, I knew I qualified, I, I looked at my wife and went, no, I don't need to go. I'm done, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so don't take, don't, don't, don't take your slot straight away. Yeah. Did you, though? Take uh, the slot. Oh, right, no, right? yeah. If they gave it to me at the finish line, I would have been like, I'm not too sure. But once it sunk in and I had, a, <laughs> yeah. I had an hour. Pretty, I was can, like, yeah. pretty hard to pass up. Can yeah. we do a... A story time for a second. Yeah, yeah. So Emmett, you're here, and you. Wh- when did you're you, in lovely Kona. When yeah. did you get to Kona? I got here on Sunday the first. I so think. two weeks before the race. Get out here, acclimatize, get used to the heat, get used to the conditions. So come race day, I'll be ready. So what what happened? Because <laughs> um, you've been moving around in your chair a little uncomfortably. Did. For me, the biggest thing about Kona is I've raced like five Ironman. I was wondering what the disconnect in Kona is where the world's best athletes are 20 minutes slower. Um, and the age, group are pro- age groupers are slower too. Um, got out here, took a couple of... The swim in the sea is beautiful. The run, it's warm, but I thought the time my heart rate would come down. And I was getting on the bike and I noticed that it's quite windy here. It is. <laughs> Very. Especially, um, so on a, a ride on Thursday, we decided to cover the back half of the course from Waikoloa to Havi and back. And the wind was ferocious. I think one of the kids in the Rudy Project tent said it was off oh, 50 miles an hour wind gusts. Oh, jeez. And um, I got caught out by one of those on the way back five miles from Waikoloa pitched over on whether my wheel was blown from under me or a car took the wind and I overcompensated with the lean, but I ended over going straight over the handlebars and um, looking for me, my collarbone and my head took the fall and I've broken my collarbone in three places. No. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I've, I've my second honeymoon out here now. <laughs> <laughs> and we've seen that, the x-ray. It looks strikingly similar to yeah, Nate's. I, yeah. I'm having flashbacks, yeah. guys, but this is worse because you did... What people like, this is a lifelong dream, is to do Kona. You get out here and you broke your collarbone. I've never heard of anyone being pushed over by the wind. You said two people, you and someone else, happened to that yeah. same day. On um same position, uh, when I when I was on the back in the hospital, um, there was a girl who fell over exactly the same place, and her husband was telling me, yeah, ten minutes beforehand, she was um she was on the ground, same thing, broken collarbone, and as he was as we were in the hospital, he was getting a text message that there was more coming in. 
It makes sense. We rode the course last year, uh, a good portion of the course, and the winds just, there are certain spots, and you could see it when you got closer to Javi and there was some grass on the side of the road. You could see the grass coming toward you, like, rustling, and when those gusts would hit you, holy cow, they were strong. And that was not, that was not on a 50-mile-per-hour day. I can't no, imagine. And we were on cross bikes holding the, holding the drops. Yeah, exactly. Yes. We were in arrow. And, and, and words... And I, I admit, I was white knuckled, <laughs> like even oh, yeah, in the you drops. Had to, be, you had to be. Yeah, I, I can't imagine being in the aero bars. It's it's something that I don't think a lot of cyclists <laughs> understand here, like how how difficult that is. You know what it's like? It's like get on your TT bike, go down the street, and then let your friend just chase after you and push you randomly sideways. Yeah, sideways, Not pushing you yeah. frontward or backward. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sideways. And it's anybody's guess which direction the wind's going to belt you from. Yeah, yeah, that's the other thing. It's crazy. It either comes from the ocean or it comes from the hills. You don't know. There's there's um there's gaps where they've cut through the stone and the rock after the road is, and you're leaning forty five degrees to your left, and when you go through the gaps, then you're suddenly blown in the the opposite direction. You're leaning forty five degrees in the opposite direction. And once you hit the road, then you're back over, you know, you're pitched right over and you're looking at just seeing the brakes uh, to see where the, um, the traffic bars are on the side for the, the uh-huh. Uh-huh. to stop the cars going over. Mm-hmm. That's, that's when it gets windy because, you know, it's opened up and it's there, but I'm from Ireland and the Atlantic opens up on Ireland. Um, and I do my long cycles outside. We're used to the wind and I just thought... You know the wind. What's what's the biggie about the wind? Till I'm sitting here in a in a sling. <laughs> I I, uh, I totally feel for you. This is horrible. Yeah, we all do. It's rough. So, but yours is way worse than than mine because this is the championship. So, do, are they going to let you in next year? Have you talked to them? Let, oh, let you in. I thought you said let you in. I was like, that would be you know, <laughs> no. that'd be a bit severe. But <laughs> I've been at the office this morning and I was talking to one of their um, their office people, Tiffany, and she said because um, I. I wanted to walk away with at least a race pack and she said don't register so and come see me later on hopefully i'll grab your pack and hopefully we'll sort something out and um i ran into their head doctor while i was down there because she uh, i had my x-ray and he was saying um oh give me a look at that he said no i wouldn't let you do anything i've like probably like nate's one of the bones is floating and if i fell over it would come true on me so yeah do you think that they'd be able to defer your entry to next year though I hope if WTC are listening. I uh, hope so. <laughs> that would be cool. I might know someone. We'll try. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Use we the powertrainer road. Yeah. But, you know, um, it does make you hungrier. You know, being out here, seeing out here, and most of the qualifiers, the guys that qualify, once they've cracked it, once they know their numbers mm. and they know what it takes to get here, they just consistently get here. It's, it's very, the ranks are small of the first timers. So you're confident you can do it again. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's like, that's a real key takeaway is based on some other things we've done, a lot of skills involved and a lot of triathlon races is not skills. And it, I think what you're trying to say is if you can hit your numbers in training, you can qualify. You can, you can replicate them yep. anywhere. And mentally also like once you've, you know, once you hit 200 watts, once you're over 200 watts, you're going, okay, I can do it. And you, have, you might not have on your bike for a, a while, but mentally, if you can tell yourself, yeah, you know, I'm at 200, you'll sit above 200. Mm-hmm. And again, like if you can hit those numbers and you know what's coming ahead of you, you will train to that or you will train smarter, you will train better. That's a, one key thing is what people I see, a disconnect between training and racing is, um, we can talk about the swim in a second, but on for the bike and the run, it's nutrition. Because they might be able to do you know, get 4.4 watts per kilo, but they can't hold it for five and a half, five hours 
or you know what I mean? Or then do a run afterwards. How do you approach nutrition and what kind of things do you do to uh, fuel yourself while you ride? Yeah. Um, so uh, nutrition wise, I kind of fall back on been half cyclist. So I'll, I'll actually just um bread and butter and peanut butter sandwiches. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, over the constant thing as well as my, um, my wife's a, a CrossFitter and she brought home the multidextron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would use um, three scoops of like multidextrin in a mix and that's like 120 calories in a bottle. And I'd have that for, for I'd eat maybe two sandwiches and I'd have um, the multidextrin. So do you actually put a sandwich in your jersey pocket? I would have a sandwich uh, in tinfoil nice. uh, down on the... Um, in the bento box. Yeah, in, in, in the box. And actually I was laughing. Um, on the way out to have you saying, oh, my sandwiches are going to be really hard to take out of a tin file. <laughs> yeah. And I got two of them out and I still ate them. Yeah. Um, but I was just thinking, re- I was going to rethink it for race day. Yeah. So, that's crazy. I've never heard anyone do this. Is that like uh, like white bread or like whole wheat bread? or Yeah, brown brown bread. Brown bread. Butter, peanut butter, and uh, jam or jelly. A bit of yeah. honey. Nutella. That probably tastes pretty good. Yeah. yeah I'll, it, edible. Like, yeah, natural foods. But don't get me wrong, I'll still grab like, the nutrition bars that they'll have I'll have a couple of those I'll have a gel a caffeine gel that you know when you're on the bike at four hours and you're starting to talk to yourself talk yourself out of it <laughs> yeah. you get a caffeine gel and you you'll, you'll come around yeah. what um so do you keep track of how many calories or do you just kind of eat based on feel yeah I, I kind of eat I set my watch to drink at 10 minutes and eat at 10 minutes and then take a little drink um, that's every 10 minutes then. yeah so you does, take a little bite of sandwich every 10 minutes yeah, just uh, yep. uh, what I was doing for if I had a bar, I get through a half um, bar every twenty minutes. So in an in an hour, I'd have maybe a bar and a half. But like, mm-hmm. I'd also have my breakfast and then go for a run, or you know, to be able to function with stuff in your stomach, it has to be trained. Um, for the morning interval sessions, I'd wake up in the morning and just literally have a small coffee and then head out and do my my interval session on a Tuesday. Mm. Or the ride on a Thursday because it's under two hours, so I I could barely do that with um the interval session with nothing, and then have my breakfast then when I come back in. And what Emmett's doing is pretty typical of triathletes is and even some watches they have reminder timers in them. So those people who aren't triathletes to remind you to eat and drink because what happens to a lot of people is they get behind and then they start their marathon, and if you if you're already behind when you start your marathon, it's really hard to finish. And you can do that with any head unit too. But <clears throat> most I sh- I. I'll just say I know that you can with Garmin's. You can set a reminder based on time. You can set a reminder based on distance, which isn't a good idea. Um, and then you can also set one based off of kilojoules or calories as well, which is handy. So, so Emmett, what about the run? What are you doing while you're running? For nutrition? Yeah. Nutritionally. Um, I'm generally off. So off a long ride, a uh, four-hour bike ride, um, I have, a ca- have enough calories in me to run uh, 10K to our or uh, sometimes longer for an hour and I don't need to take anything. I wouldn't even take water off um, for that because I have enough calories taken on the bike. But on race day, I'll take a, uh, I'll run up to the first aid station, grab a gel and um, put it in my pocket, grab a water. And on every way, on most aid stations, I'll, take a, I'll open the gel because they're free, take a small sup out of it, <laughs> put it down, sip some water or... Uh, Gatorade or energy drink and then take another gel so I'll always have a gel on my way into a run station so I'm not stopping to pick anything up nice and after that then I'll probably pick up a piece of fruit or and then the back half just start drinking coke and and dreaming so when you do those uh 
those three hour marathons, you're not walking any aid station. Um, no, that's really cool. So I'm going to describe it again. You're, you're, you have a gel in your pocket ahead of time. And as you approach the aid station, you start eating the gel so that by the time you get the aid station, you can have water to wash the gel down. Then you grab the next gel from the next aid station. Yeah. It just, it just stops for a time. And the only thing I'm looking for is a drink to put down a small amount. So I'm not taking a whole gel. I'm taking like a small amount of a gel and I'm just keeping myself tipped up. And I wouldn't do that every time, but most of the time I'll always have a spare gel in my pocket. How frequent are the aid stations? Every 2K. Oh, okay. So you know that. Wow. Yeah. You can find yourself. It's well catered for a marathon. It is. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And the the Ironman aid stations too are like the best. They have like everything, (laughs) like chicken broth and all this kind of stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. It's better than grocery store Wednesday. Wow. Better stocked. So, okay. (laughs) Next question, because it's triathlon and people love eating questions. Breakfast. What do you do the morning before you qualify for Kona? What do you eat? Um, I would have porridge, uh, Chia beer, chia seeds. Porridge, like rice porridge? Um, or is porridge. that oatmeal? Oatmeal. Oatmeal, okay. Oatmeal, <laughs> uh, oatmeal and milk, on uh-huh. whole milk. Um, and then chia seeds, and I might uh, have a slice of toast and tea. Right, and that's it? Yeah, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be fueled up with a nice big bowl of porridge. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. What about the night before or this, leading up? Sorry, this is foreign for Nate. Nate's used to eating a whole lot more, as is famous on the podcast. <laughs> no, it, it, my it body weight. Emmett doesn't shy away from fat, and he processes fat well yeah. at, at these intensities, so he's making it totally. work. Yeah. I, I like the in Ireland. You don't don't move back from whole butter or, <laughs> or any, all the good stuff. You know? baby. What do you? Uh, so the night before, do you do anything special? No, I'd um whatever. I try to eat something that you know is more. Um, kind of car based or I, like not too meaty but generally like could go out for a pizza I've had bolognese um, lasagna you know nothing nothing crazy but like there's no there's no fixed gospel hmm. you know it's nice to have a breakfast that you can count on right that makes sense what about um, in terms of equipment uh, like what have you done from I guess pre-qualifying you talked about missing by 72 seconds have you changed your equipment at all in terms of your bike or even like the shoes that you have or a wetsuit or anything else what have you changed that way to to get closer to qualifying um i went through a range of things Uh, i was using latex tubes Mm. um on my run-up for when i was close to qualifying but i've I've, i keep latex tubes um i've just changed over i had a flow disc um while i was racing in bolton Mm. um and I would have a smaller helmet, uh, the Rudy Project helmets. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would, um, and for Kona, I got a one-off uh, speed suit that Injura made me. They were really, really nice. And I had my son's handprints oh, no. on the sleeve. Oh, cool. And that's that was awesome. the one I came through when I hit the no. ground. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, so I was, I was, it was a drag to zero. I was like, because in, I was racing in um, their cheapest speed suit. And I would literally just cut the sham out of it and wear my tri shorts. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, you're to get a little bit more aero, like, you know. Right, yeah. yeah. Right. And also, um, if you're racing in a one piece, the two piece could rub. And if you tap your finger on a table for an hour, it's going to be sore. If, if you're doing that for three hours for a marathon and also like, oh. you know, everything, every little thing that rubs against you, every little thing that niggles will just really, <laughs> you know, get you at the end of, a, of an Ironman. So having a one piece for me, was more air but it's also you know you don't get those the cuts and the abrasions of of a two-piece suit so i was racing a full sleeve oh man that's rough so you full sleeve were you gonna switch into it after the swim oh for for this particular race it's it's so warm i had arm coolers 
Gotcha. So you're gonna do short sleeve. Yeah, I was gonna have my um gonna swim with my uh, speed suit down, get into the the transition tent, put on my s- sleeves, and then just put my suit over it. Cool. Yeah. Emmett, what's your uh, athletic background? Because I think some people think everyone who's did it, like if you like, oh, I was a collegiate runner, everyone will be like, throw their hands up and say, ah, oh, darn it. But um, hopefully you're a I'm a kid. surfer. Like, you're a surfer. I'm a kite <laughs> surfer. Um, bit of climbing, but my my first bike um, that I bought through a cycle to work scheme in Ireland, um, I got my mum to drive 15 kilometers into town and I cycled out because I didn't know could I make it. Um, <laughs> I, I've had a semi background in running as I used to run to run to school and run home for lunch, <laughs> which, awesome. which got to about 12 Ks a day. But like I didn't run during college. I didn't run for my school. I ran for my lunch. Um, <laughs> That's literally. <laughs> and I am. And I only started cycling a bike nine years ago. I think other than that, my bike had stabilizers. Wow. That's awesome. That's, that, 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 that gives people hope. Yeah, they, you know that, I mean? that should, that's right? Yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And then uh, I have one more question. What was the, what was the change that kind of like got you to start being, did you change anything to start hitting numbers for, to qualify for Kona? Um. Yeah, so I I was following uh, kind of a book and a different plan um, up to a couple of years ago. I got on Trainer Road and started using the half volume plans, uh, and I, that did me really, really well. And now you've reissued uh, two years ago. Mm-hmm. You put out your full plans, and once I saw a full plan, in I was I was all in. I was like, you know, just give me the t-shirt. Excellent. <laughs> I was all in because again, my numbers were coming up. I was a stronger cyclist. You know, my run never fell off and I, I like I was running recently I cycled to a half marathon which was uh 50 kilometers and I ran a 112 there. Awesome. Wow. But that is awesome. you know, and I had to I, the ferry was late and I had to jam it down. I TT'd most of the way to there. <laughs> but that's awesome. Because you know, when you have good training and your busy life, I can back it up mm-hmm. with with train a road. So what volume of the, so the full distance triathlon plan? Mid volume. Mid volume That's plan. by half, half plan, half volume plan. Okay. What, yeah, so you did the mid, mid volume mid volume plan. plan. I looked at the plan and the high volume plan was, you know, something that you'd like to, to tackle, but with kids and work and everything else, I couldn't tackle it. And also I would have been, me personally, I would have been a little bit annoyed on myself, I hired myself for not finishing. Um, every session are not getting the time to finish it but as with the mid-volume plan i could turn around and complete a tuesday morning session and then be able to ride my bike in a, a local a league race in the evening and have it not take too much out of me and i could add to it and but the best thing about the plan as well then is on a wednesday because um i wasn't my running wasn't taxed too much with some of the mid-volume sessions i could just open up a higher volume session and do the wednesday session with the vo2 max session and it just awesome. worked perfect we talked about this a lot on the podcast and you actually brought this up earlier before we started the idea of you probably can ha- handle high volume but you chose mid volume because it, it's easier on you mentally and you can always add workouts and it's so much easier to add workouts than to be like yeah, like yeah I, I don't know about anybody else but if you're if you're sticking to a plan and you're seeing that you have missed workouts yeah. or workouts that aren't done or are, are unfinished oh, yeah. that would that would eat on me but to have a plan that I know, I like, I suppose I was a big fish in a small, in, in a smaller, in a medium sized pond <laughs> yeah. than yeah. like working into something that I couldn't finish. And that gave me confidence 
that I could finish all the sessions. It's motivating. And get it finished, yeah. How yeah. close did you follow how closely did you follow the plan? Almost to the T. Um some of the things that I couldn't work out is I didn't do a long swim on a Sunday because uh, it's a family day. Um but I do it on a Monday. And on Saturdays I couldn't I would run, always run off the bike because once you're away you can kind of stay away, mm-hmm. but to be away for a four-hour bike or like, you know, be cycling on a four-hour and then to wait and then go run in the evening, I couldn't take that time, so I'd run off the bike. And that's that's close to it. The sessions, the Tuesday swim session. So I would swim Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday swim session, same. So you did most of your runs off the bike? I would, yeah, I would run. Uh, runs. Yeah, every... every Every workout um, that's specified, like wait and run in the evening, mm-hmm. I would generally run um, off the bike bar the Thursday because I do the, the Thursday mornings before work and I run after work. I wanted to share one quick, or I wanted you to share one quick story. The thing that really caught my eye when you, you sent us an email, you were just letting us know that you qualified. and, and, I was and just saying thanks. And, and you sent over... What what race were you at when you uh, you were at a race? You had a workout to do the day before. Oh yeah, it was Ironman Bolton. Yeah, tell, so <laughs> if you could tell that story. Um, <laughs> in Ironman, uh, so when I was over in Bolton, um, I used the leg opener, the the pre race workout, a couple of times, and I found it really really good. So I was in Bolton and I drove over and I packed everything, but I didn't pack my trainer, and it was a miserable rainy day, and I was thinking, you know, you're thinking you're ticking off all the boxes so um i said oh i'd like to do a leg the opener up and the weather was so miserable i couldn't so i went over to a, a bike shop of sorts and uh, asked them could i buy their demo turbo trainer for <laughs> for an hour and they looked at me like what <laughs> so i bought the tur- and the manager said yeah okay you can um and what gave me the idea there was a small child riding one of their you know the demo bikes around the place i went well if the child can take it i'll um i'll give it a go yes so they gave me the bike uh, the the turbo trainer i set it up in my um hotel room i did the workout uh the, the leg open workout and i brought back the trainer and i got a, a full refund but it was really? just yeah it was just you know you're already race ready you're already set but it was just another thing that i ticked off the box yeah. i do it felt good going I into did, the race yeah. it's resourceful too yeah well, what's the actual workout name because people are gonna want to know that oh i don't know it truly we have a I'm few guessing. of them yeah it's it's on a mid-volume plan it's like yeah. before your half you race it but um i think what got me for the first while is polar bear the at 85 percent um i avoided that for a small amount of time and once once i bit into it yeah. i got through it and it was like this is it and this that would be like a staple workout or something that like you'd, you'd have to talk yourself into but once you were in it and once you were finished it and you're running off it you know it was it's such a solid ride does it add to the confidence then of for racing you have to do that workout does. If, like if for ironman racing especially you know you're you're at 65 or 75 percent of ftp but if you're holding between 80 and 85 percent of your ftp for two hours and then i was um, I was running like a, a 40 minute 10k sub 40 minute 10k off it like I could bank on that I could run um, in one of my uh, in a half Ironman that I did um, I ran a 112 off um, off a half Ironman bike hmm. simple like simply because it was practiced that's awesome is that gonna be fun running through everybody <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I, I'm at the front 
with the with my bike I'm at the front yeah are close to it but yeah when when you're running behind people and you're enjoying yourself some people know the three hour marathon like that'll beat a lot of pros like seriously and yeah. uh, women pros almost all of them recently there's been some women at like Kona who who go under three consistently but you're you're up there like with all the with all the fast guys and yes I women. Well, yeah, my last um, Ironman, I finished tenth uh, overall, and um, including the pros, including the pros, Jeez. and uh, third age group are home. I, I see your hat. Tenth <laughs> overall, following a trainer road plan. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> just, just validating all That's, my hard work. I mean, I don't get to work individually with athletes anymore, so this is like super satisfying to hear. Yeah, I, I can't tell you how Chad, how pleased I am. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not beers tonight. I, like, but but I like I, if it comes up in work and stuff. But I, I've used the quote: "I'm not a special snowflake," you know. Um, my FTP before this year would have been about 280. I just like, I, you know, I said, this is going to be my year. I bought it. I bought into the plan. I cycled it, you know, um, made it work. And I was able to handle the load and that's it. But I've done the 40 KTT trial, the plan, like beforehand I've, um, I've did your build, your base, like every plan here, (laughs) I've mixed it. I matched it. I put it together specifically to what I've been doing, but it's, it's great. How much are we paying you, Emmett? Absolute. <laughs> I, I get a t-shirt out of this. <laughs> but absolutely nothing. No, I, I sent the email to you basically saying thanks because, yeah. you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of people spending, like, and individual coaches are great, but if, if they don't mix or if they don't match, um, and with your workouts, I was able to do all my workout on my time and I wasn't feeling guilty for missed sessions. And, I'm just here. I'm here in Kona um, with my hand in a sling. <laughs> so you had, you had good plans, but you're a very, a very oh. driven and dedicated person too. So so we can't, let, let's not overlook the fact that you're, you're very good at what you do. You're dedicated to it. You, you're uh, you're exceptional. Right. You, right. I mean, you are. You have exceptional to recognize on, that. Yeah, exceptional on that right, right? Yeah. And driven, focused, dedicated. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe normal in terms of an athlete and being driven, and, and but, but, but there are many ways in which you are exceptional. So to, let's not downplay that. Yeah. All I'm saying. And that's the, the cool thing is I think that, uh, that people can achieve that level mm-hmm. as well uh, in terms of getting that motivation drive. So I've been watching this race for uh, seven years and my, my, I put a post up on it and it's been part of, you know, me for so long to be here is just, it's huge. Um, he means mind. he means with us, not at Kona, but yeah, train road HQ. <laughs> but like uh, you know, even even to watch it this close is good. To to be just same race, just a different view. Unfortunately, right. Oh right. man, this I hope year. you come back next year. Yeah, yeah, and, and, you and smash it, and we'll be here, and we'll be cheering you on. Thanks, Emmett, for coming on and for sharing uh, so sharing all the insights because I think it's uh, relatable. And hopefully, for those that have been listening to this, it, you can glean some information that you can apply and and get faster too. So thank you, I appreciate it. Thank you guys for your plans. Yeah, thanks, yeah, thanks of course. Emmett.